Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kevod Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. In Matthew 4.4, Yeshua said these words, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Taking in the word of God every day is life to our spirit and health to our bones. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land. Not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is 20 minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue reading through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation. Today we continue the Torah portion for the week, Shalak Leka, and it means, Send for Yourself. Numbers 15, 1-20 Then the Lord told Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you finally settle in the land I am giving you, you will offer special gifts as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. These gifts may take the form of a burnt offering, a sacrifice to fulfill a vow, a voluntary offering, or an offering at any of your annual festivals and they may be taken from your herds of cattle or your flocks of sheep and goats. When you present these offerings, you must also give the Lord a grain offering of two quarts of choice fine flour mixed with one quart of olive oil. For each lamb offered as a burnt offering or a special sacrifice, you must also present one quart of wine as a liquid offering. If the sacrifice is a ram, Give a grain offering of four quarts of choice fine flour mixed with a third of a gallon of olive oil. And give a third of a gallon of wine as a liquid offering. This will be a pleasing aroma to the Lord. When you present a young bull as a burnt offering or as a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or as a peace offering to the Lord, 
You must also give a grain offering of six quarts of choice flour mixed with two quarts of olive oil, and give two quarts of wine as a liquid offering. This will be a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Each sacrifice of a bull, ram, lamb, or young goat should be prepared in this way. Follow these instructions with each offering you present. All of you native-born Israelites must follow these instructions when you offer a special gift as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And if any foreigners visit you or live among you and want to present a special gift as a pleasing aroma to the Lord, they must follow these same procedures. Native-born Israelites and foreigners are equal before the Lord and are subject to the same decrees. This is a permanent law for you to be observed from generation to generation. The same instructions and regulations will apply both to you and to the foreigners living among you. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you arrive in the land where I am taking you, and you eat the crops that grow there, you must set aside some as a sacred offering to the Lord. Present a cake from the first of the flour you grind and set it aside as a sacred offering, as you do with the first grain from the threshing floor. 1 Kings 20, 1-21-29 About that time, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mobilized his army supported by the chariots and horses of 32 allied kings. They went to besiege Samaria, the capital of Israel, and launched attacks against it. Ben-Hadad sent messengers into the city to relay this message to King Ahab of Israel. This is what Ben-Hadad says, Your silver and gold are mine, and so are your wives and the best of your children. All right, my lord the king, Israel's king replied, all I have is yours. Soon Ben-Hadad's messengers returned again and said, this is what Ben-Hadad says, I have already demanded that you give me your silver, gold, wives, and children. But about this time tomorrow, I will send my officials to search your palace and the homes of your people. They will take away everything you consider valuable. Then Ahab summoned all the elders of the land and said to them, Look how this man is stirring up trouble. I already agreed with his demand that I give him my wives and children and silver and gold. Don't give in to any more demands, all the elders and the people advised. So Ahab told the messengers from Ben-Hadad, Say this to my lord the king, I will give you everything you asked for the first time, but I cannot accept this last demand of yours. So the messengers returned to Ben-Hadad with that response. Then Ben-Hadad sent this message to Ahab, May the gods strike me and even kill me if there remains enough dust from Samaria to provide even a handful for each of my soldiers. The king of Israel sent back this answer, A warrior putting on his sword for battle should not boast like a warrior who has already won. Ahab's reply reached Ben-Hadad, 
and the other kings as they were drinking in their tents. Prepare to attack, Ben-Hadad commanded his officers. So they prepared to attack the city. Then a certain prophet came to see King Ahab of Israel and told him, This is what the Lord says. Do you see all these enemy forces? Today I will hand them all over to you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Ahab asked, What will he do? And the prophet replied, This is what the Lord says. The troops of the provincial commanders will do it first. Should we attack first? Ahab asked. Yes, the prophet answered. So Ahab mustered the troops of the 232 provincial commanders. Then he called out the rest of the army of Israel, some 7,000 men. About noontime, as Ben-Hadad and the 32 allied kings were still in their tents, drinking themselves into a stupor, the troops of the provincial commanders marched out of the city as the first contingent. As they approached, Ben-Hadad's scouts reported to him, Some forces are coming from Samaria. Take them alive, Ben-Hadad commanded, whether they have come for peace or for war. But Ahab's provincial commanders and the entire army had now come out to fight. Each Israelite soldier killed his Aramean opponent, and suddenly the entire Aramean army panicked and fled. The Israelites chased them, but King Ben-Hadad and a few of his charioteers escaped on horses. However, the king of Israel destroyed the other horses and chariots and slaughtered the Arameans. Afterward, the prophet said to King Ahab, Get ready for another attack. Begin making plans now, for the king of Aram will come back next spring. After their defeat, Ben-Hadad's officers said to him, The Israelite gods are gods of the hills. That is why they won. But we can beat them easily on the plains. Only this time replace the kings with field commanders. Recruit another army like the one you lost. Give us the same number of horses, chariots, and men, and we will fight against them on the plains. There's no doubt that we will beat them. So King Ben-Hadad did as they suggested. The following spring, he called up the Aramean army and marched out against Israel, this time at Aphek. Israel then mustered its army, set up supply lines, and marched out for battle. But the Israelite army looked like two little flocks of goats in comparison to the vast Aramean forces that filled the countryside. Then the man of God went to the king of Israel and said, This is what the Lord says. The Arameans have said, The Lord is a God of the hills and not of the plains. So I will defeat this vast army for you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. The two armies camped opposite each other for seven days, and on the seventh day the battle began. The Israelites killed 100,000 Aramean foot soldiers in one day. The rest fled into the town of Aphek, but the wall fell on them and killed another 27,000. Ben-Hadad fled into the town and hid in a secret room. Ben-Hadad's officers said to him, Sir, we have heard that the kings of Israel are merciful, so let's humble ourselves by wearing burlap around our waists and putting ropes on our heads and surrender to the king of Israel. Then perhaps he will let you live. So they put on burlap and ropes, and they went to the king of Israel 
and begged. Your servant Ben-Hadad says, Please let me live. The king of Israel responded, Is he still alive? He is my brother. The men took this as a good sign and quickly picked up on his words. Yes, they said, Your brother Ben-Hadad. Go and get him, the king of Israel told them. And when Ben-Hadad arrived, Ahab invited him up into his chariot. Ben-Hadad told him, I will give back the towns my father took from your father, and you may establish places of trade in Damascus, as my father did in Samaria. Then Ahab said, I will release you under these conditions. So they made a new treaty, and Ben-Hadad was set free. Meanwhile, the Lord instructed one of the group of prophets to say to another man, Hit me! But the man refused to hit the prophet. Then the prophet told him, Because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, a lion will kill you as soon as you leave me. And when he had gone, a lion did attack and kill him. Then the prophet turned to another man and said, Hit me! So he struck the prophet and wounded him. The prophet placed a bandage over his eyes to disguise himself and then waited beside the road for the king. As the king passed by, the prophet called out to him, Sir, I was in the thick of battle and suddenly a man brought me a prisoner. He said, Guard this man. If for any reason he gets away, you will either die or pay a fine of 75 pounds of silver. But while I was busy doing something else, the prisoner disappeared. Well, it's your own fault, the king replied. You have brought the judgment on yourself. Then the prophet quickly pulled the bandage from his eyes, and the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. The prophet said to him, This is what the Lord says. Because you have spared the man, I said must be destroyed. Now you must die in his place, and your people will die instead of his people. So the king of Israel went home to Samaria, angry and sullen. Now there was a man named Naboth from Jezreel who owned a vineyard in Jezreel beside the palace for King Ahab of Samaria. One day Ahab said to Naboth, Since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace, I would like to buy it to use as a vegetable garden. I will give you a better vineyard in exchange, or if you prefer, I will pay you for it. But Naboth replied, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that was passed down by my ancestors. So Ahab went home angry and sullen because of Naboth's answer. The king went to bed with his face to the wall and refused to eat. What's the matter? His wife Jezebel asked him. What's made you so upset that you're not eating? I asked Naboth to sell me his vineyard or trade it, but he refused. Ahab told her. Are you the king of Israel or not? Jezebel demanded. Get up and eat something and don't worry about it. I'll get you Naboth's vineyard. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent them to the elders and other leaders of the town where Naboth lived. In her letter she commanded, Call the citizens together for fasting and prayer and give Naboth a place of honor, and then seat two scoundrels across from him who will accuse him of cursing God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. So the elders and the other town leaders followed the instructions that Jezebel had written in the letters. They called for a fast and put Naboth at a prominent place before the people. Then two scoundrels came and sat down across from him, 
And they accused Naboth before all the people, saying, He cursed God and the king. So he was dragged outside the town and stoned to death. The town leaders then sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned to death. When Jezebel heard the news, she said to Ahab, You know how the vineyard Naboth wouldn't sell you? Well, you can have it now. He's dead. So Ahab immediately went down to the vineyard of Naboth to claim it. But the Lord said to Elijah, Go down to meet King Ahab of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He will be at Naboth's vineyard in Jezreel, claiming it for himself. Give him this message. This is what the Lord says. Wasn't it enough that you killed Naboth? Must you rob him too? Because you have done this, dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they licked the blood of Naboth. So my enemy... You have found me, Ahab exclaimed to Elijah. Yes, Elijah answered. I have come because you have sold yourself to what is evil in the Lord's sight. So now the Lord says, I will bring disaster on you and consume you. I will destroy every one of your male descendants, slave and free alike, anywhere in Israel. I am going to destroy your family as I did the family of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and the family of Basha, son of Ahijah. For you have made me very angry and have led Israel into sin. And regarding Jezebel, the Lord says, Dogs will eat Jezebel's body at the plot of land in Jezreel. The members of Ahab's family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs, and those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures. No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight, as Ahab did under the influence of of his wife, Jezebel. His worst outrage was worshiping idols, just as the Amorites had done, the people whom the Lord had driven out from the land ahead of the Israelites. But when Ahab heard this message, he tore his clothing, dressed in burlap, and fasted. He even slept in burlap and went about in deep mourning. Then another message from the Lord came to Elijah. Do you see how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has done this, I will not do what I promised during his lifetime. It will happen to his sons. I will destroy his dynasty. Acts twelve twenty four to thirteen fifteen. Meanwhile, the word of the Lord continued to spread, and there were many new believers. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manaen, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, The Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work for which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salamis they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island, 
until finally they reached Paphos where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He had attached himself to the governor. Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man, the governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. And then he said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Paul and his companions then left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. On the Sabbath, they went to the synagogues for the services. After the usual readings from the books of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. Psalm 137, 1-9 Beside the rivers of Babylon we sat down and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We put away our harps, hanging them on the branches of poplar trees, for our captors demanded a song from us. Our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land. If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget how to play the harp. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you, if I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy. O Lord, remember what the Edomites did on the day the armies of Babylon captured Jerusalem. Destroy it, they yelled. Level it to the ground. O Babylon, you will be destroyed. Happy is the one who pays you back for what you have done to us. Happy is the one who takes your babies and smashes them against the rocks. Proverbs seventeen sixteen. It is senseless to pay to educate a fool, since he has no heart for learning. I'd like to speak to you today from our Haftorah portion from 1 Kings 21, and then we're going to jump into the book of Acts. And in Acts, or 1 Kings chapter 21, in this chapter, we see an incident regarding Naboth of Jezreel, who owned a vineyard near the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. This is Ahab and Jezebel, that evil couple. And Ahab has... um a lust, a jealousy, he covets Naboth's vineyard. 
and he wants it for himself. So initially he reaches out to Naboth and he says, hey, uh, sell me your vineyard and you can have another vineyard. I'll give you one. I like your vineyard. It's close to my palace. I'd like to have a garden there. And Naboth says, no, this has been in my family generation for many generations. I'm not going to give it up. So then Ahab basically throws a little tizzy fit, a tantrum. And his wife, Jezebel, asks him, what's the matter? And he says, well, I wanted this vineyard and he wouldn't give it to me. So now Jezebel is going to take matters into her own hands and she's going to solve the problem for him. Now, these two people are both energized with spirit of evil. In fact, in verse 25 of of First Kings 21, it says, No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence of his wife Jezebel. So we're going to see a picture of what evil looks like. So Jezebel writes some letters to some of her cronies in the town, and she says, I want you to throw a banquet and invite Naboth to this banquet. And then at the banquet, I want you to put two scoundrels across from him and have them accuse him of uh, betraying the king and God, cursing the king and God, and then stone him, have him killed. So that's exactly what the townspeople do her cronies under her influence. They invite Naboth to a banquet, have the two scoundrels falsely accuse him, and then they stone him to death. Death by stoning is extremely painful. Any blows to the head can be fatal. It's a horrible way to die. So then Jezebel comes back to her husband and says, Hey, the vineyard is yours. Go claim it. Naboth is dead. What kind of rule of law are they walking in? It's the rule of law of Hasatan. It is lawlessness. It is, I'm going to take whatever I want, and if, in your, if you're in my way, you're eliminated. And as of the date of this recording, Right now, we have a state of lawlessness in the city of Seattle, and there are anarchists and Antifa that have taken over six blocks of downtown Seattle. And in fact, the mayor of Seattle granted them access, doesn't have a problem with it. They have literally barricaded the perimeter of the six blocks with barricades, and they've basically called it uh, this is a, the new sovereign territory of of the people of Seattle. And the police precinct building has been completely abandoned. And it's anarchy. It's an insurrection. It's rebellion. And that's what lawlessness looks like. So... I see a lot of similarities between what Ahab and Jezebel did to this man Naboth and what's going on in downtown Seattle right now. They wanted Naboth's vineyard. He refused to give it to them. So they took him out. The leadership in the new community there on the six blocks of Seattle 
have actually been extorting the local businesses and saying, pay us protection money or we'll take you out. Not at all unlike what Ahab and Jezebel did to Naboth. This is the heart of evil. When we walk away from the God of Israel, when we walk away from following his Torah, this is what lawlessness looks like. And we are living in truly momentous, perilous times. So this is a very, very important season that we be taking the word of God to heart, um, taking it in, receiving it, let it get written upon our heart, and live in it, walk in it, walk in truth. We need to speak the truth in love. We must not be cowards. We must not bow to these uh, thugs and thieves and warlords. And uh, basically, this is like a communist overthrow, an attempted military coup of the nation of America by Antifa and Black Lives Matters and any other element that is associated with them. So we bow only to the God of Israel. We bow only to Yeshua HaMashiach and to no other. We must speak the truth in love. And not walk in fear, but walk in faith. Now I want to speak to you from our New Testament portion. And there's a couple of things I want to point out to you. In Acts chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, it says, So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. So what I want to point out to you is in the early church, when the church just got started, as Barnabas and Saul were going out like missionaries to spread the good news, to share the good news about Yeshua, They were keeping Shabbat. They were ministering in synagogues. This is before the Council of Nicaea. This is before Rome got involved with changing up the days and the times and the seasons and the festivals. Continuing on in Acts chapter 13, verse 14. Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. And on the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue for the services. After the usual readings from the books of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. So they were invited to speak. And again, their arena, their platform was they were observing the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath, and going into the synagogues to share the good news. So Paul and his associates kept the Sabbath. They did not do Sunday. They did Shabbat. Heavenly Father, I do pray right now that you will keep your people safe and protected. 
Father, I know that there are protests and violence, looting in many cities all over the world, in Europe, in other places besides just the United States. I'm asking, Father, that you will keep your remnant people safe and protected and that you will also orchestrate circumstances in their lives, order their footsteps, and provide opportunities and open doors for people to be able to share the good news of Yeshua, that he is coming and coming again soon, and that he will be in gathering the exiles of Israel. He will be gathering all of us and leading us on a journey home to Israel, a miraculous, supernatural journey. So, Father, please encourage and bless each and every one who is listening Bless them, and may they stay hidden and protected under the wings of the Almighty. And may you order their steps and bless their days. In Yeshua's name, amen. The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.